0: Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just gotta stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Dolph fans? And welcome into the Wednesday, June the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose. Of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, more football, day two of the final week of organized team activities down in Davie. And we have a lot of press conferences to get to. Plus, Ryan Tannehill seizes control of his team after a slow start in practice. Mike Kasecki bounces back, and we count down the five highest upside players on this year's team. But first, I need to ask you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. That helps the podcast grow, get out to more Dolphins. We really appreciate you guys that have done that already. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL and follow the show at Lockdown Fins, and check out lockdowndolphins.com. We have more up to date relevant information on there than any other site you're going to find. And I get it out to you guys even quicker than the podcast every single day because I can write it up and post it and get it on there. So today's camp stuff all up there already on lockdowndolphins.com and of course the other lockdown sports family of podcasts. Like the Lockdown Heat Podcast and Lockdown NFL Podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Once again, I am Travis Wingfield, lifelong fan of the team, been writing for the team for about 10 years now on various fan sites, and of course, voted the best follow on Dolphins Twitter, so you guys can find me there for all the latest and greatest on your Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast right off. That's another Miami Dolphins. The no-shows at practice today are the same suspects with an additional name that... You might be able to get concerned about it, but I wouldn't worry too much. Of course, Jordan Lucas, Leontay Carew, Thomas Duarte, all not practicing today. And the addition to that list is left guard Josh Sitton, and we'll get to his absence here in a second. So four players not practicing on Tuesday, I should say, recording this podcast on Tuesday for the Wednesday show. But the note from practice that was really the one that stuck out for everybody was the offense off to a sluggish start, as is the case a lot of times with these early season practices, the off-season practices are trying to get everybody acclimated. You have tons of new guys coming in trying to learn the playbook especially this season with this team with all the overturn on offense and the change on offense and Ryan Tannehill is the guy that really is the tenured guy here. He's kind of the veteran of the group at this point in the Adam Gaze offense. He's the quarterback of the team obviously which does not hurt either but they had a sluggish start, a very slow start and then Ryan Tannehill pulled the offense back onto the field and said no we're going to do that shit again because that's not acceptable we're going to do better than that and it's something the Dolphins have talked about with bringing in a veteran to each group of the offensive position rooms, offensive line, receiver, running back, Frank Gore, Danny Amendola, Josh Sitton, Dan Kilgore. You guys know the drill on that. And it sounds like they're trying to find a way to get this team to follow the guide of these older guys that have it figured out and are doing things the right way. So Ryan Tannehill comes back, navigates the offense back onto the field, start to look a lot more sharp after that. And the big note of the day was an 80-yard touchdown pass from Tannehill to Danny Amendola, which I didn't know he had that type of vertical threat in his arsenal over Xavier Howard. Of course, didn't see the play, just heard it from the beat writers. So again, take everything with a grain of salt, but that's about all we got from the practice updates. And Brock Osweller apparently had another awful day, which sounds like he's not going to be long for this football team. So quarterbacks, Tannehill shines. Brock Osweiler, not so much. And then Adam Gaze went to the press conference. We have several press conferences to get to. And he spoke for... 13, 14 minutes, and he's always pretty enlightening, and I like it when he gets a little bit of spammery there and, and tells reporters off, and he did that with the Josh Sitton news. We'll go ahead and get to that first. Someone asked him what was going on with Josh Sitton in camp. He said, I don't know. I don't have to tell you that right now, right? So he was an asshole. He brushed it off. No big deal, but Josh Sitton, I imagine it's either a veteran's day off or just a rest day, whatever it is, probably nothing too serious with him. Hopefully, everything's okay with his family. I'll let you guys know when I have more on that. But the reporters continue to ask him a bunch of questions about random topics. We'll go ahead and just go down the list here. They asked him if Ryan Tannehill spent any time with some of the players that came in during the 30 draft visits. Every team gets 30 visits into your facility to just get to know the kids and kind of show them the program and everything. And Gaze mentioned that Ryan Tannehill doesn't do that on purpose, like it's not something that they plan out to have him meet with him, but regardless of who it is, offense or defense, Tannehill makes it a point to go ahead and find those guys and meet them and just chat them up for a second. More of a coincidence, he said, than anything else. So not much there, but just kind of cool, like talking about Ryan Tannehill being the leader of this football team. He said that the Practices right now are a passing camp because there's no running game threat with the way these practices are. You can't find out until you put the pads on, so not a whole lot to get to on that. Talked a lot about Walt Aikens and how his starting point is the special teams role of this team, and they're trying to find a spot for him on defense specifically, and we'll get to Walt Aikens here in a minute. He spoke today as well, and talking about kind of the dime defense and where he figures in as a safety and cornerback, and Adam Gaze, here's another interesting note that he said about at the press conferences today was talking about that week 17 game against the Buffalo Bills and how they were kind of experimenting. And we know that obviously with the personnel, with the guys they ran out there, the snap counts they gave, but with the schemes and coverages as well in that game, And I kind of want to go back and take a look at it. And when I do, I'll get you guys the updates on that, but I haven't checked it out yet. That game, I didn't really find much of a point to looking at it, but now that he says that I might have a reason to go find it. Talked more about Walt can Say he's a great tackler. You know that he's going to get the ball carrier down to the ground each and every time. So good to hear that. And then this time of year, is just more about the mental gymnastics of the game. Putting pressure on all these guys to play fast and be able to play confidently within the scheme. And talking about Mike Gusecki and Kalen Balaj He talked about Balage a lot and how he's progressing very, very quickly. He has a lot on his plate as a rookie running back because they want to go ahead and make sure all three of these guys are interchangeable with every facet of the game so you can keep your playbook open and not have to disguise things in certain ways. You can run every single play with every running back on the roster into the game. And he talks about how they don't really specifically script it in a certain way for certain players. They script certain plays they think will work, and if you're going to be on the field, you better be able to do it. So that's his thought process with the running backs. It's kind of always been that way, just hasn't quite had the personnel. It feels like now he finally does. He said that Kalen Bellage is always trying to find extra time with Kenyon Drake and just really getting everything about the game he needs to know down and that includes playing wide receiver on the offense. Like I said, everyone has to do it. They asked him about Ryan Tannehill and the hurry-up and the up-tempo offense, the pace they're trying to set in practice this year, which sounds like they're going to be doing it for once after a couple of years of hemming and hawing over it. And they asked him how Ryan Tannehill felt, and he said that no huddle or two-minute offense or just in the huddle. The last six or seven games, Ryan Tannehill played. He was really, really good in those. So we're looking for him to take on that role this year, whether the offense is no huddle or not. Is this team Ryan Tannehill's team? And he mentioned the rallying the team together after a slow start and got the offense back out for additional work. And then talked about the rookie tight ends, Mike Gasecki and Durham Smythe, and how he feels at this point they're no longer making the same mistakes twice. Once they make a mistake, they get it corrected and don't get back to it. So you see progress growing in that direction. And one of the writers asked if this was the best practice that Mike Gusecki had had so far. And Gay said he doesn't know right now because it's hard to tell out there when so many things are going on. And the reason I put that note in there was because these beat writers give you guys all these tweets and updates. They don't really know what's going on. The coaches don't even know what's going on until they watch the film. So just really step back on all of that and see, you know, just, See it for what it is. It's just kind of fun stuff for us to talk about in the summertime. He closed up by saying they're putting pressure on all these guys. They will install something that day in the meeting rooms, take it onto the field to execute because he wants to simulate how it will be in season. And I think it's a really good plan going forward. So these guys are getting better at finding out how it's going to work once September rolls around and the game start. Lastly, they talked about backup quarterbacks, and he didn't seem – too overjoyed about it. I think Brock Osweiler's performance probably had something to do with that. But to me, it just seemed like an an- the answer was a no and that David Fales is his backup guy. Just the overall demeanor he had when they asked that question didn't seem like a positive stance. All right, guys, we have plenty more press conferences to get to, including Jerome Baker, Kalen Bellage Walt Aikens, and Akeem Spence. We'll do that next on Locked on Dolphins Podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. Player press conferences, rookies at the podium, and Akeem Spence as well as Walt Akins. We'll go ahead and start with Kalen Balazs talking about his first couple of weeks down in Miami. And I really like watching this kid talk and hearing the things he has to say. Very eloquent, very well-spoken. They ask him a lot about Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. And he mentioned that Frank Gore is a vet, but he's also new to the offense. So Kenyon Drake is kind of the vet they're leaning on to teach him certain things within the offense. So he has two guys he can go to to learn certain things. He feels like he's not a guy that makes a lot of mental errors. There's just a lot of information to learn from this playbook. And he wants to be as consistent as he can. And kind of talking about that... He, it's not that he doesn't know what he's doing, but sometimes it feels like he's not a 100% sure in what he's doing, which can give him a little bit of pause and doesn't let you play as fast as you should or want to be playing, which if you don't play 100% in this league, you're not going to cut it for very long at all. They asked him what he likes about the offense, and he says there's nothing he doesn't like about the offense. Everything the defense can show them, they have a counter for that. I thought that was really cool to hear someone like that, a young player, a rookie, talking about the ability for this offense to adapt to things they see against them on the defense His his mindset. When he gets the football in his hands, that he wants to score every single time. That's his goal. He's been in the no huddle offense in college, but he needs to get caught up on this new playbook because you can only do the no huddle when everybody knows what they're doing and he'll get there. He's just not quite there yet. And we talked about how Gasicki and Smythe spent some time in the hotel room on yesterday's podcast going over things on the whiteboard, quizzing each other. Belage said that he and fellow rookie Buddy Howell have been going over plays in their hotel room, so the same thing there. Like I said, just a very impressive guy, very well-spoken, eloquent, makes clear points, seems to get the mental aspect of the game and understands how important that is. And talked about how Frank Gore, at 14 years into the league still studies other running backs across the league and Balage is doing the same thing. The two guys he compared himself to are David Johnson and Le'Veon Bill, both big-bodied guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. They made a name for themselves and he wants to do the exact same thing. So those press conferences are up live on LockedOnDolphins.com. I tweeted the links to them and gave you guys bullet points on those. Jerome Baker spoke as well. They asked him about moving around from, from Sam and Will. He said he played both, nickel and base, doing everything on the defense he possibly can. That Stephon Anthony and Terrence Garvin are getting first team work, but so is he working in behind them and just trying to be a sponge and soak it all up. Talked about how the hard times you have to go through in terms of what this is right now, a tough time for these guys that are kind of swimming in all this mental jargon they have to go through. He talked about it back at Ohio State his freshman year. These hard times you go through, they come, but they don't last, and they pay off. So he's a big-picture guy. He understands it. Working through the mental part of the game is going to be a challenge, but he's getting there. He'll play faster once he can do all that. That's the main theme, guys, if you haven't understood that yet. Definitely trying to get himself to play faster. He is in a room with Quentin Pulling during the, the camp process here, and he said that Quentin stays up later than him, and he's gone when Jerome wakes up. I thought it was pretty interesting that he's a late-night a late a late-night owl and an early bird as well. He's been covering backs and tight ends the last few weeks and feels good about it. Says that Mike he's a great challenge for him in that in that area. He's tough, but he's used to it from playing against him in college. So he seems like a, a pretty young, easygoing guy, and I think his mindset's in the right area. And I think it's just going to be the same thing for all these young guys getting themselves acclimated within the scheme, finding out how they can continue to get themselves playing without thinking so much and just being prepared for anything that might come their way down the line throughout the course of this season. So it sounds like they're getting themselves in the right mindset. And speaking of the right mindset, Akeem Spence such a fun interview to go ahead and watch. I highly recommend you guys do that up on lockdowndolphins.com. talked about how the scheme really fits him that he is a quick twitch guy and they want to play penetration style of defense up front and get into the backfield and make plays. That's what he does. That's what he did in Detroit. And he's also here to help kind of integrate the rest of the guys into what Coach Chris Kusarek wants on defense. He played for him in Detroit, obviously. It is attack, attack, attack. Mentioned the ability to go ahead and play more snaps than a rotation based type of defense, which is what they're going to do here. A reporter asked him, are you able to play more snaps? Because and Sue played a lot of snaps. And he said that there was times when he played 60 to 70 snaps in a game in Detroit when guys got hurt. Specifically mentioned Hello Nada, but ideally this defense is like a hockey lineup, which I thought was a pretty cool comparison with constant shifts and changes and rotations and getting guys in and out of there. His job as an interior guy is to help these pass rushers and eat up bodies inside, and he has two great ones in Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake. His words, not mine. Thought that was cool to hear. And they asked him about the individual drills and how this team competes in certain areas, and it makes work more fun because... If you're out there in the sweltering heat trying to hit a bag, it's not a lot of fun, but when you're competing in get-off drills to see you can get off the ball faster, that makes it more fun, something that Coach Chris has brought to them. And this defense is pretty similar to what he played in Detroit. Just some terminology here and there is a little bit different. So it helps to have him with this young crop of guys. Obviously, Jordan Phillips, year four, Devon Godshaw, and Vincent Taylor in year two really helps them get acclimated with what this defensive system is becoming and what it has been in the past. The last guy I spoke to was Walt Aikens, the special teams ace. They talked at length about his work in the community and his work with the kids, and that stuff is fantastic. That's very good for Walt. I'm glad that he has the money to go ahead and make that happen now. But this is a football podcast, so we'll go ahead and put that off to the side. When he signed here, they asked him what his role would be if the organization told him what his role would be outside of special teams, and he was adamant that he's a safety first, but he can be alert at cornerback if they need him in that spot, and he's aware of that. He needs to know everything and just be ready when the time comes, and I feel like that's a very good a very nice piece to have on the back end of the roster in case something you know dramatic, dramatic happens on game day. He's going to be dressing for game base as a special teams ace. And having a guy that can come in in a pinch in a tough spot like that, it just helps the roster coming off of a special teams guy that can get in on the defense as well. And the last note that he made was that he thinks that everyone's starting to buy into this system. The guys are gelling and they're bonding and that they will make some noise this year with the pieces they brought in. And he also praised Mika Fitzpatrick for his energy as well as his skill set. So a lot of good stuff there for you guys. Like I said, LockedOnDolphins.com has the written write-up on there with links to all the videos and all of these guys' scouting reports, write-ups that I did earlier in the offseason. So check that out, LockedOnDolphins.com, to get a little bit of a glimpse of some of these promising newcomers and youngsters that spoke today. And speaking of newcomers and youngsters, who are the five highest upside players on the 2018 team. We'll count that down next on Locked On Dolphins Podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Pressing on into segment number three on the Hump Day Podcast of the Locked On Dolphins Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, with you guys here. And I wanted to talk about players that offer the most upside this year and guys that could really push the Dolphins over the edge in terms of being, I don't know, a, a better than 500 team, a playoff team, a team that wins a playoff game, a team that goes deep, a... A Super Bowl team, I don't really know where this ends, but I wanted to talk about the guys that I think have the most opportunity to make the team be better than people expect. And I'm excluding some guys, and I'm going to give you a list of players here, like Josh Sitton, Kenny Stills, Rashad Jones, Cameron Wake, and Minka Fitzpatrick gets in there too. I know he's a rookie, and I'll explain it right here. So these guys, you, ex- you kind of know what to expect with them, and that really speaks to how special Minka Fitzpatrick is. I feel like all of us... Is there a Dolphins fan out there that does not expect him to come in and play very well from game 1? He he's so pro ready and just so ready to be professional that I just feel like he is part of that group now. He is an expected like pro bowl type caliber caliber player coming into his rookie year. But you know what you're going to get with Josh Sitton. You know what you're going to get with Kenny Stills, Rashad Jones, Cam Wake. Who are some guys that we're not quite sure what's going to happen with them that could have the biggest impact? I'll start with number five. And this guy's a veteran, but he's coming off of a lot of injuries coming over from a team that he didn't play in the correct scheme with. Of course, I'm talking about Robert Quinn. If he can get back to even a fraction of what he was with the St. Louis Rams back in the early 20s like 2013-2012 era, then you can really see this defense take off from a pass rush standpoint. So I think he's number five on there. Number four is Zavian Howard. I know he played great down the end of the year, down the stretch, but he struggled early on in the season. That last drive against the Falcons before Rashad and Cordray Tankersley saved the day. Xavier Howard was getting picked on and having a rough time in that game there. So I think that if he can continue to play the way that he played in the second half, that could just do wonders for this defense as you can lock up one side of the football field. Number three is a guy that I'm probably more bullish on than most. And I actually just did a podcast. It's called the All Pro Podcast. I think it'll be out tomorrow. And they asked me for some surprise guys. And I told them to take this guy on their fantasy team and stash him down on the bottom of their roster for when he breaks out. Jakeem Grant. I posted a gif of him the other day in the punt return where he just moved so straight. Like the way he moved wasn't, it didn't look human. It's so quick and so jitterbug and so apparent that you just, guys that move like that are good at football. And he's so effective from a, Efficiency standpoint, his yards per target on the outside are up there with the league's best. I just, I know it's a very small sample size, but I think this guy is going to continue to get more looks and have a huge year for the Dolphins heading into 2019. Number two, and I think this guy could be a superstar running back, Kenyon Drake, It's all about health with him. I think we all expect him to play well, but if he stays healthy, I think he could do even better than people expect him to do. I think it could be a big time, like top 10, top five rusher with some good receiving yardage in there as well. And the number one, not really a surprise, the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. I didn't want to put him in there because I think for the most part, I know what Ryan Tannehill is. And I think that, even the detractors that say he's not a good player can agree that he has his moments and he is what he is. But for the most part, you know, you're going to get a guy that's right around the 12 to top eight type quarterbacks in the league. At least that's what I've seen from my film study. But I think if you take into account the year off, the way he's in the third year of his system for the first time in his career, I think that that upside is there and he could really take it up to a new level, especially the way this team is kind of built around him. So Robert Quinn, Xavier Howard, Jakeem Grant, Kenyon Drake, Ryan Tannehill. My honorable mentions were Albert Wilson, Jesse Davis, Cordray Tankersley, and Jordan Phillips. Let me know what your guys' are on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. One quick note here before we get out of here for the podcast. I'm kicking around the idea of going down to Miami for training camp. And I don't know if I want to do it because I almost feel like saving that trip for a game would be would be better, like a game day on Sunday. But to cover the team at training camp for a week just sounds really It sounds nerdy, I know. But I, that's something I really want to do at some point in my life. And this year could actually work out because I have the schedule to make it happen. We'll see what happens with that. But I might do it. I might not. I'll let you guys know. I'd come down with some t-shirts and some other Locked On Dolphins memorabilia. We'll see what happens with that. I will let you guys know when that happens. But for today's podcast, that is actually going to do it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out lockdowndolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.